filibuster receives sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, Discrimination, Wage, and Litigation Solutions for Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They want you to know that your rights matter, you deserve to be free from harassment, and you deserve to work. They cover workplace discrimination and wage theft, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, takings and disability, and a lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Salute, gentlemen. I mean, I don't feel good about this. Well, yeah, there's the explicit gross. tag. Yeah. Uh, mm. Hey, hey, welcome in. This is the this is filibuster, the Black and Red United and um, Straight Shots of Bad Things podcast. I'm Adam Taylor, yeah. joined by uh, a very disheveled Ben Bromley and making icky faces still. Yeah, I'm Jason Anderson. Struggling with it. I'm struggling with less of a burn than Ben. It sounded like Ben's dealing with a burn, whereas I'm struggling with a, yeah. um, an aftertaste um, that is not I'm, going I, away. It's I've got not a little going bit of well. We, we'll get to exactly why that is momentarily. Yeah. Um, before that, though, we're all from blackandredunited.com, where we have the distinct displeasure of covering DC United in the year 2020. Um, and on this show, that's what we're talking about. DC United lost two to nothing to the new England revolution over the weekend. Oh, and I'm going to take and, the rest of this shot. Ooh, because that, uh, you said that. Yeah. That, uh, <clears throat> my drink is coming back a little bit. Oh. Uh, uh, I haven't done shots in too long uh, or not long enough. Anyway, we're going to talk about that loss. Um, we're also going to preview DC United's upcoming visit from Atlanta United. That game. If you, really want to punish yourself is real, this saturday to be a October real barn burner between two yeah. teams that don't score goals <laughs> uh seven o'clock this saturday october 3rd at audi field don't go there you won't be let in watch it on dcunited.com on espn plus um and uh wjla that's it wjla 24 7 news formerly news channel 8 which was much easier to say um you keep saying we will get that. To, I do. It was. It's true. It remains true. Before we do any of that, though, um, let's explain why we're taking bad shots. It's a very easy explanation. DC United's real bad. We have a tradition on this show of punishing ourselves for being stupid enough to cover a team that's real bad. And so that's why I have Wait. a plastic bottle of Wild Turkey 101 that I just took a shot of and... I'll probably do another one later just because I'm unhealthy. That um, seems better than probably that, that. That seems better at least than what I drank. Yeah. I, I'm pretty proud of myself. I don't have a lot of bad liquor in my house. This no, is about I, as I bad went, as I could find. I went out to the store to buy specific <laughs> bad liquor for the podcast because I didn't have any bad liquor in my possession. I was pretty sure I had a plastic bottle of something and that was going to be good enough for me um, or bad enough for me, I guess. Um, yeah, that was not a pleasant shot though. Shots are just generally not pleasant anymore. Um, so Ben, well, what, what, should... what did you buy? 
that you were drinking straight out of the tiny glass bottle. I mean, I wish it was glass. It was plastic. Um, so a slight diversion. Um, I was drink. I, I took a shot of Bowman's vodka, which is Virginia's own Bowman's vodka. It's out of Fredericksburg. And you're going to claim it. I mean, Frederick, I'm not going to claim Fredericksburg. <laughs> I mean, you're Mr. Virginia here. So if you say Virginia's own, I assume it's coming from a place of sure. pride. But, um, what I am going to claim is that uh, my college roommate would uh, only drink, uh, he would only drink vodka and apple juice. That Like he couldn't drink anything carbonated. He couldn't drink anything else. And so when we had pep band parties in our apartment, all he would drink was uh, vodka and apple juice. And since we were cheap college students, we would buy Bowman's vodka. And so this has thrown me back to those days of, of college drinking. And Kenny, if you're listening, I hate you. And this is for you. <laughs> he's also, about- he, he, he's also a soccer enthusiast and, and may have started my soccer uh, uh, journey. So okay. I thank you in that regard, Kenny, but also screw you, Kenny. Jason, what are you punishing yourself with in an unhealthy way? Uh, so at some point in the winter, uh, I was gifted, gifted in the biggest of scare quotes, uh, a bottle of Christian Brothers brandy. Oh God! Um, no, Christian no. Brothers, the famous uh <laughs> distillery uh that no one's ever heard of because they're not famous. Um, and I was told that the idea previously for this bottle had been to make Brandy Alexanders, but they had just decided they didn't really want to make Brandy Alexanders anymore. Um, and so because I'm known to avoid waste, I was like, sure, I'll, I'll take it. Um, reluctantly, <laughs> like, all right, fine. Um, and it's been sitting uh, not even on like the shelf where the other liquor is, but like below that. Uh, next to the liquors I don't use very much, or like the bottles where I've got two of something, and so I want one out of the way. Um, like I have uh, a half open bottle of amaretto on the top, and then the full, the next full one is down below. Um, sure. So it's a solid organizing principle. This is what you guys listen to the show for: is organizing your liquor cabinet. Um, the Christian Brothers is not a duplicate. It sits down there because I don't want to see it. And I don't want to use it. But uh, when we had to. When it became obvious during the game that this was going to be one of those nights, when <laughs> once Gustavo Bo's goal went in, I was like, "All right." One of the things that I need to keep in mind is that this is going to be a uh, filibuster, unpleasant shot uh, show when we do the show. So when I got home, uh, one of the things I did before I went to bed was like, "I might as well figure it out now." And I was looking around and I was like, "Ah, oh, I mean, there's like, there's some like cheap clear rum. That's not very good, but that's not really like." really bad like we're talking about punishment not like oh it's kind of unpleasant you should you should have sent it to adam (laughs) just just some some cheap plastic bottle rum he would have loved it yeah Um, that's exactly what i would have needed to use tonight if i had that i would have uh punished myself with that but alas but but yeah once my eyes settled on the bottle of christian brothers i was like i don't know how bad that is but i'm sure it's bad and let me tell you it was bad uh, it doesn't burn at all uh, because it's brandy, but it has this like cloying uh, sweetness and oh, yeah. a long mouthfeel that will not go away. 
And if we, it made me, if we it have does to, not quit. Christian Brothers does not quit. If we have to do this again, I, I thought about this, but I didn't go through with it. If we have to do this again, uh, I'm going to go with uh, just like a straight shot of terrible gin because I think gin, like shitty gin, is the worst thing to take a straight shot of. I've I've taken a shot of warm gin. It wasn't that bad. I have too. I think it was. I want I, I want to say I I mean warm. Uh, like it was my birthday and my friends were already out, so we re- agreed to meet at a different spot, and they beat me there. And one of them immediately went to the bar and was like, "I would like room temperature gin in a shot glass as soon as possible." And then he held it in his hand oh, to God. help warm it up, uh, so that it would be warm. And I was like, I I, I was like, look, That's as long as you have. Well, he, he was like, listen, I, I bought two shots because I'm going to do it with you, so let's do this thing. And so his wasn't as warm because he didn't hold it in his hand, but, it, it, you know, I feel like he hates gin already, so he might have actually been the more punished member of that shot. Because I was like, I can handle this. Like, this is only one of these terrible shots. I'm, I'm no, button I- for punishment. I went to a bar in Chapel Hill when I lived there, and uh, the only thing they had on special was shots of gin. And we were like, yeah, sure, why not? It was a mistake, my friends. (laughs) It was a mistake. Should we talk about our our drinks that aren't terrible? No. I'll tell you the drink. Last night, I made a very good drink uh, at halftime in the hopes that it would spur I, basically I was, I was trying to be the drink I wanted to see in the world. Uh, and it was a very good Manhattan made with uh district made rye whiskey, um, Capitoline Rose vermouth, um, some black walnut bitters in there, just on the rocks stirred. Um, it was a very tasty drink and uh, ru- ruined by Gustavo Bo shooting under Frederick Briant's foot. That that ended the deliciousness of that and consigned me to uh, a very dusty bottle of wild turkey. Should we get to it? Jason, do you want to talk about another drink before no, we it's get fine. to? If we're not, if we're not all going to do it, we might as well just move on to the soccer. Well, I already, um, all right, I already did it, but okay, sure. It's fine. Uh, Stephen Birnbaum called it a must-win game. Other players discussed the the needed response after last week's loss to Nashville and Ben Olsen's fiery comments afterward. Uh, unfortunately for all of us, and DC United in particular, we, we didn't see it. Two late goals and a lack of consistent push in the attack doomed the black and red to another loss in what is becoming a very bad year. Uh, evidenced by DC United spot in the Eastern conference cellar. Um, I kind of don't even care about the specifics of this game because it's, it's there, there were one or two bright spots, but it, it's the same pattern we've seen over and over and over from this team. It wasn't a set piece goal this time, thankfully, but it, they, you know, it was a defensive breakdown and no push in the attack. It's just, the same thing every week and it's not fun it's boring and bad and yeah i don't i i don't have a way to make that interesting i'm sorry um 
Yeah, I mean, the first half I really don't think was that bad. Um, if that was the average first half for this season, or if that was the average half of the season, like if you just had that every single half of soccer, um, the team would be around where the Red Bulls are, more or less. They would be adequate, un- unexciting maybe, but fine. Um, uh, but after that, the thing is, like, that can't be your best half um, if you're going to win a bunch. And they yeah. went from that to only two shot attempts in the entire second half. Um, and even though the Revs didn't create a ton of genuine scoring chances, they kept being really close to creating scoring chances um, similar to the one that became the goal. These chances where they're getting into the 18 on that that edge rather than coming through the middle, they're getting wide, but then cutting in um, on the outside of the 18 and, and getting into those dangerous spots. And, and, the final ball would just be a little off, but you would be able to see, you know, oh, they had someone open. They just missed the pass or, you know, Penny passed the ball behind Gustavo Bo one time. And you're like, oh, if he had put that ball where it needed to, that's, that's one, nothing. Um, and it finally happened. Um, he finally did put the ball where it needed to be. And Gustavo Bo is really, really good at losing defenders. And he just, everyone's scrambling. So he just sort of slowed his run down and was like, Hey man, uh, here I am. I'm wide open by the penalty spot. Just take your time and, and pick me out. And Pinillo was like, I got plenty of time. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to find you. Um, and there's nothing that, you know, Bill Hamid couldn't do anything because, you know, it's a shot from like 10 yards out dead center with no pressure on the guy in the box, you know, right. those. I mean, and I think, I think Hamid is also counting on Briant to not phase out of existence briefly when the shot goes right through him uh he brian effectively had half the goal blocked and hamid's covering the other half and then brian or Bo, to his credit manages to shoot under or through brian i'm still not entirely sure of the physics of the the play but brian's unable to get the block on and it goes to the half of the goal that bill hamid is not planning on covering because it was blocked um it was a it was a great finish from from Bo, but i'm I, I'm not happy with Briant right now. I'm not happy with quite a few members of this team for obvious reason. But um, Briant, I think in particular, had a pretty poor game um, with the ball at his feet or or in defense. Um, and I mean, uh, it, this game isn't particularly about his aging his his lack of physical ability but it's not not about his lack of physical ability because he's now the oldest uh dc united player that's been given an extension and that's starting to play into what he's doing and uh i mean he he him him starting out there but sure 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 but him being the main player the main uh the main central defender at the age of 35 uh, when they saw when they only had one backup when the season started is a big deal. They could have had more backups when the season started. And this is getting into our longstanding tradition of harping on uh, that this team needed more depth, but this is the one place that the team needed more depth than having a 35 year old, as the main person is, I mean, just... he played. He played through injury and and helped the team shore up the defense. And it's not even his like raw physical attributes that I'm I'm worried about right now. Like 
he was scrambling on that play. I don't think there's a lot of defenders who have the the quickness, even in their prime, in MLS anyway, to be scrambling and then change directions and shut down Bo on that specific play. I mean, what bothered me the most of, from Briant's game is just the bad giveaways. Not under pressure, just passing it to the wrong team um, when DC United's in possession or trying to to break pressure, just clearing it to the other team directly to the other team. Like there was one clearance where Steven Birnbaum cleared it and managed to find literally nobody. It was a beautiful clearance and that it did not go directly to the other team. It went to where their defenders weren't. It went all the way down the field into space and allowed DC United to actually reset. Briant, when he clears it, it seems to find an opponent's head and immediately come back. Or when he's trying to pass it into the midfield, he finds the wrong team. And that was it put DC United under a lot of pressure, it put the defense under more pressure than they would have been otherwise. And it was a liability on the night. And th- there were a lot of them, but, but Briant was one of the players that stood out for the wrong reasons for me. And, you know, if you, if you look back at the goal, there is a certain, um, the early part of the play is, is really, it's, it's, you know, some head tennis, Pania nods it on and Birnbaum steps up high, wins the ball, uh, Fisher anticipating that maybe he does win. Maybe what if Burnbaum doesn't win the header? There's a possible flick on to someone who's wide open. So Fisher has to pinch inside to cover Burnbaum having stepped up to win the header. Um, but from there, you know, the ball goes upfield and the only person to react to it is Tommy McNamara. And to his credit, it's a quick reaction. It's a one-time pass to Pania out in space because, you know, and Adam, you said this in the chat, Eric Sorg is not a left winger. And so he wasn't in a good, he didn't see that Fisher had pinched in and realized that he had to get back and possibly cover some space. Um, And so in that, you know, half a second, basically, um, DC goes from doing the right thing defensively to McNamara isn't pressured. He gets the ball out wide to Pena, who has plenty of room to make a run. And during that whole stretch of time, the only thing Breon has to do is stay tight with Gustavo Bo. But he just keeps going, basically. He takes like three extra... It's not that he bought a fake. It's that he just sort of kept retreating. And he ends up giving Bo all the world, all the room in the world to finish that shot. It was a little further out than I initially remembered it. But um, the only reason Bo has the time to take that shot is that it's you, you give him three steps rather than none, which is where you're supposed to be. Um, and that's yeah. just that's not a physical thing. That's a simple, like you got to mark better if you're a center back thing, which has been a problem for DC United center backs. Usually it's when a cross goes across, goes to the far side and then comes back in or when the ball gets the end line, they just forget to mark up. But this was not that this was a ball coming in, uh, not at the top of the box, but not at the end line either. So marking has been a problem. And Frederick Briant, has has not done well at that. He hasn't done well with the ball in possession. It's been it's been frustrating. Um there were a lot of frustrating performances. It's but instead bad. of going instead of going into those, we are gonna let, well, let's talk about oh go ahead. We will talk uh, about I, I just wanted to add that, you know, if there was going to be a goal in this game, this was how it was going to happen. Um because, you know, like I said before, the the danger they kept creating was in those spaces. Um and at a certain Miami after the game, Ben Olsen even said they were kind of knocking on the door. 
And he's right. You know, the expected goals don't show something that should end in a blowout or anything like that. Um, but they don't, they also don't necessarily reflect the chances that the Rebs were creating in the, in the second half that maybe never amounted to a shot, but they were close enough to being dangerous that they should be, you know, it should be alarm bells ringing. Um, I think that's why they made the Fisher substitution for Mora, um, that he was struggling and, and third game in eight days, probably completely out of gas. So it was one of those where it was like, we got to get him off the field. Um, and it's not on Fisher necessary, who, like I said, he had to step into the middle. He to recognized cover something. that space. You know, he, yeah. he recognized that the Revs had another runner um, that if Burnbaum didn't win that header cleanly um, against Adam Buxa, that uh, you've got someone running in on goal. I'm not sure who that is. They're kind of blurry um, on the replay, but um, it's so it's not a Fisher problem. It's a team shape problem. Um, if Burnbaum steps high, Fisher has to come inside and your left winger or a defensive midfielder has to fill that space, at least temporarily. Um, but the the speed of that is the thing. Like people eventually recognize this stuff. It's just how fast can you recognize it? And the difference in this game is that McNamara recognized before anyone on DC that this space was wide open. And if he just played a one-time pass, it was going to happen. They were going to get Pania the ball in that space with DC scrambling, which is always a dangerous situation. Um, and that's, that's the difference is that recognition speed, uh, is the difference between that goal going in and not because if DC recognized that play faster than anyone from the revs, they don't concede this goal. And maybe they escaped zero zero. And we're talking about a frustrating game, but not a take a shot of terrible liquor kind of game. Yeah. I mean, on, on that last point, this has really been some time coming. I think the, the shots of terrible, I think the one, two punch of this game in the Nashville game. Um, yeah, which I I will offer one sentence about, and it was the single worst MLS game I have seen this year. Uh, the Nashville DC game. Um, and that's partially Nashville. Uh, I think Derek Jones was the only player that played well. Um, but yeah, the one, two punch of those games, you know, that's why we're where we are. So before we go too far down the spiral, I do want to talk about a bright spot in this game and, really the only bright spot in this game. And that is uh, Moses Nyman getting his first career MLS start. Griffin Yao with his first start of 2020. Um, He got a a start last year as well. Um, The young guns got onto the field. Ben Olsen, you know, stood by his statement that his teenagers were out playing the veterans and actually rewarded them, which is really nice to see. Um, so and and they they belonged they absolutely belonged out there, um, which is also good to see. Uh, Can I literally like as we've been recording this? Apparently, um, Greg Berhalter is speaking to the media, and he uh, I'm, yep. I'm reading from Emily Olson's tweet right now um, that he specifically singled out Nyaman Paredes and Griffin Yao for their current run of form, and he's keeping an eye on players like them. Um, so not that I want to talk about the men's national team very much at all at any <laughs> no. point anymore, no. but um, it is good for them uh, that the coach is paying attention. So, um, but that's, that's a consequence of them getting on the field um, and getting these minutes. And, you know, let's be honest, it's not like it's Olsen doing them a favor. Um, this right. is not play your kids to a fault. This is like, well, you know, what is Paredes doing that the other guys aren't doing? It's well, you can say what he's doing that the other guys haven't done. 
um, the team has missed him in these last couple games due to injury, and it's they've missed him a little bit. They've missed that energy he brings. Um, you know, Griffin Yao, Ben Olsen had a solid explanation as to why he would choose him over Gressel against the Rebs. Um, it's kind of a remarkable decision nonetheless, but um, it wasn't just, well, Gressel's playing badly, so I'm going to sit him. There was some, there were soccer reasons to consider such a change. Um, and with Nyaman, um, I, I think what I was impressed by, especially in person, was seeing something. There was a play that I wanted to shout out uh, I, uh, with the site Twitter during the game where it's not going to show up as a tackle or an interception or anything, um, but it was a play that broke down. He quickly had to get back. He had to recognize how much trouble DC was in in front of goal. And he had to get back a good 40, 50 yards uh, at speed just to, just to sort of be in the way. Um, it ended up the Revs eventually had a pass attempt that went awry. Um, that was actually, if, if I'm not mistaken, it was not even making the block. But the biggest play that he ended up making wasn't even that block pass attempt. It was just reading the situation and getting to the exact right spot just to prevent Gustavo Bo from going to goal. Um, Bo had to reconsider and try a lower percentage pass. And if he's even a split second behind on that, Bo gets the shot away. And, you know, this could have been a much worse scoreline because, you know, DC might have crumbled and then been absolutely clobbered. Um, And that comes down to a 16-year-old figuring out a very difficult situation on the fly and getting it right, Uh, having the speed as well as the speed of thought to actually get into the position and be enough of a problem where the other team has to alter what they're going to do on a counterattack. So um, that's, those are the, you know, when coaches talk about the little things that you need to do in games to win, those are the kind of things they're talking about are it's not a data point for Opto. It's not a statistical point. um, It's not a goal or an assist. Um, He probably should have had an assist if Ola Kamara could do better with that through ball that he played to break a couple lines, which was the best pass of the night for either team, I think. Um, But yeah, that that was his big play on the night. Um, And it was one of those, like, if you have his talent and you can pair it with these little things, you're going to be in the game more often than not. Um, And, you know, right now, I think this is kind of, uh, Ben Ben was uh, going on about this last night during the game, but um, Russell Canals comes off suspension. Uh, next yep. week, and DC has been playing four four two. They would have suddenly have the luxury of three central midfielders available. <laughs> um, do you perhaps keep Moses in the lineup? And I'm I'm kind of leaning yeah. towards yes. One because I I don't think teams going anywhere this year, so you might as well give him the games. Uh, but two, maybe just even put that context off to the side and just say who who does the team need in the game? Um, I'm kind of with Ben on this one. I feel like Ben, uh, I'll let you go off on it but yeah i'm kind of with you i I know where you're going i mean uh, there was a time where junior moreno was really good but i feel like that time was uh, looking back on it kind of limited and uh right now russell knaus and moses nyman are playing better than uh junior moreno is so there's no reason not to try Nyman and Knaus in the central of midfield. Do you, you, you try them out. It's not going to be any worse than what has happened so far uh, in the central midfield of this season. So you try them out, you give Moses Nyman more experience and you see what happens. And like I said, it's not going to be worse. So why not try and see what happens? 
I think Moses has made a good case, like in his substitute yeah, exactly. showings and as a starter last week, he he brings something to the central midfield that we don't have otherwise, especially without Mohamed Abu. I think Abu is the most similar player to to Nyman yeah. uh, in in his ability to play the ball forward from a deep central midfield position. Um, Junior Moreno, for even at his best, does not play the the, the same passes. Uh, and and you got to have those. And Nyman never stops. He he plays the game so smart. He finds a pocket of space and owns it. And if it if he needs to help the ball, the the guy with the ball, he will move into an angle where he can receive a pass, or he will draw a defender with him to open up a passing lane. He he plays the game so smart, and he uses his movement so well to help the team. And you got to have that on the field, especially if you need possession the way DC United is so starved for possession. Mm-hmm. Nyman makes it easier and better. And you got to have him out there. And Knaus is a better passer than Moreno right now. And you know that he can get out there and break up play. Um, he's got to do it without getting two yellow cards and a half. Even yeah. if one of them's not deserved, he's got to right. be able to not put himself no. in those positions. But I don't know how he, you avoid the position of falling down when you've been yeah. fouled. Um, but... <laughs> Uh, yeah, that I was mean, just one more bad thing that happened in a DC United game this week. Um, yeah, we're gonna yeah, have uh, we're gonna have Sam Jones uh, right. on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the show's gonna get more more <laughs> in the dark once we start having a guest to talk about Atlanta as well. Yeah, um, but but I was gonna say Sam writes for MLSsoccer.com among some other places, and uh, I don't want to shout at his colleagues there andrew weeby too much i love weeby i love weebs but he, he's wrong about this he this play was on instant replay and he said that tori penso got this absolutely right he she didn't um congrats to her on on right breaking it, this is the kind of mistake that any mls referee would make yeah. she she's um, making this, yeah exactly she, yeah, it's a normal mls mistake if this were gyre marufo we wouldn't be talking about it. we'd just like ah fuck it's gyre marufo roll our eyes right. yeah um, uh, but yeah, we don't uh, have to take Tori Penso to roll our eyes at it yet, but we do. You have to watch NWSL. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Adam, come so on. I wasn't, I wasn't tremendously surprised to see what, what, what happened happened. Um, but that's because America just, we don't develop good referees period. Um, but that's a different, that's a different and darker subject perhaps. Um, <laughs> but yeah, canals. Uh, Knaus and, and Nyman, they make sense as a pairing um, because you have Knaus's ball-winning ability, that that bite that he brings that no one else on the team can combine the sort of the, the physicality, but also the quickness over short distances. You know, F- Felipe obviously gets stuck in, but he doesn't have Knaus's speed. Um, he can't get to some of the things that Knaus can. And this is another reason of Muhammad Abu might be missing because I think he's the the closest player to that among the central yeah. midfielders. Um, who would have thought that a guy that couldn't get a game for so long this season was suddenly you you'd be really feeling his absence. But vital central midfielder. Maybe, maybe Muhammad Abu should have been playing more during the early yep. part of the season when the other central midfielders weren't really doing anything to establish themselves. Um, but yeah, um, a Canals Nyam in central midfield uh, for one. You know, as far as we know, they're going to be here for a little while. Um, and two, it's just, would you like to play soccer that has a chance for you to create more goals? If the answer is yes, 
then that's probably the most attack-minded central midfield you can set up with this. I called it a 4-4-2 earlier, but with Reyna, it was kind of 4-2-3-1 going forward and then 4-4-2 defensively. Um, Reyna had a lot of freedom. Um, Let's call it a double pivot and just cover all our bases. Uh, but yeah, that's the that is the midfield combination that I would like to see right now, both from a, you know, how do you change this? It's not necessarily Moreno's fault that the team's doing badly, but you've got to find areas that you can make a change that might change the dynamic. Um, it's not just window dressing. Um, it's it's a change where you're like, let's see if this actually this different style of player can do something different that we aren't currently getting. Um, and this would be that Nyman and Moreno are different styles of player. Um, Canales is a different style of player from Moreno as well. So combine them and see if you can get something going because DC needs to get something going um, all over the field. You know, you have to look at every position where DC has a healthy replacement that could come in that plays a different style to the guys that are in have to be considered right now. And this maybe is the most viable of them, in my opinion, is this central midfield change. Is there a way we could like put a 12th guy on the field? Uh, if you read, um, Graham Macquery did a story about a um, post-World War II uh, tour of England by Dynamo Moscow's team um, that involved a game where a tremendously thick fog descended on the stadium. But since the stadium was full of, of overfull of spectators in a way that doesn't happen anymore, but did used to happen all the time in the past, um, the officials decided it was better to play the game and not anger everybody rather than to tell them the game was going to be abandoned and they would have to go home and then they would stay in the stadium and wreck everything. Um, and apparently both teams tried to sneak extra men on the field at various <laughs> moments uh, among the other chaos. Um, it's a really good uh, article. It's it's on SB Nation's new uh, secret base segment, but it, you'll be able to tell because it's an old timey soccer photo where you can see players' legs, but not necessarily their heads because it's so foggy. Um, so yeah, that's I all we need game in like, Oh, My freshman year of high school, we played a game like that where you, the, everyone's feet were totally visible, but if the ball went up above people's waist, you, you couldn't see. It was just moving legs. Uh, playing in that was that was actually surprisingly fun because <laughs> it was just <laughs> chaos. Um, so yeah, if if a horrible fog descends on Audi Field uh, on this coming Saturday, then we'll, I guess we'll get to we'll have the circumstances where possibly sneaking someone in uh, could happen. Though I have my doubts, I have my doubts that either team is going to try it. Well, who would you sneak point, in? I mean, both, who would you want both teams snu- snuck to snuck in? I don't know. I, I figure if if Gressel or Yao isn't out there, you throw one of them on there. Um, okay. Ah, uh, El Diablo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Just, I, time traveling from the nineties or current day, no, Marco Echeverria. Just, Just now. now. Just now. Okay. Okay. It was his birthday, sure. um, and I I think Santino Quaranta said that uh, he could he could still probably get it done. Um, also, also Santino Quaranta would be great. Sure. Uh, yeah, Tino out still, there, still young enough to be a player in MLS uh, yeah. if he really wanted to. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, I don't know. We are in the point where uh, hoping for horrible fog uh, to sneak players in becomes a viable uh, option because other. I mean, it's just. Yeah, everyone's spot should be up for grabs. Um, the the list of guys that I know I want to see out there from this game, I want to see back on the field again. Nyman, um, 
I want to see Reyna out there. I thought he brought some things while, while he still had his legs. He was the one player yeah. who I understood getting tired um, because he's been in quarantine for several days. He had to travel and move his life from Vancouver to here. Um, I'm sure he's got good reason to not be at 100%. Um, I think there's there are some Only ideas there that we don't... With the team. Right, and, and we don't get that many ideas from the front line when it's Kamara and Rivas. Um, yeah. They are a they are an old school forward pairing of a target man and someone that runs the channels. And Reyna is a little bit more of a modern forward in that he is more comfortable both running in behind, but he can drop in, he can create on the dribble, he can create with the pass. I'd like to see him get some more time. He had some moments with Yao and Assad where the, the three of them showed some understanding quickly, which is promising, and you want to build on that. Um, but if you told me that it would be Reyna and Rivas or Reyna and Sorga up front. I would say, okay, that's fine. Um, it's not that it's Kamara's fault again, but you've got to, something has to change for DC United to stop having the same results and the same vibe after every single game as well. Um, so yeah, you know, it's all up for grabs. If hey, Kevin Bradis is fit. Yeah. There is a thing that could change. It's there, the there are several things that could change. Um, not just the coach, but, uh, yeah, that's that's apparently very much uh, up for grabs now too, um, yeah. and I can't imagine yes. that after that article from Steve Goff came out that the the follow up being this game, this Revs game, uh, did any favors in that department. Yeah, and Jason, you talked about it last week when when the coach lays into his players, which Ben Olsen doesn't often do. He's not right. a guy that he hasn't done it this year at all. When he when he does do it, there's there's a reason he's trying to motivate them, and I, I said it at the top, we didn't see it. Like there was a little bit, they they looked better something. in the first half than they did against Nashville. They did not come out like they were ready to run through a wall, or like What's they that? were ready to turn the season around. Or yeah. they, they they, I don't know. They can, just it can, can didn't I talk scream about... to me like they were ready for or they yeah, were can, responding to that. Can I talk about this one? I thought they played like they were maybe desperate, but they didn't play like they were desperate to win. I feel like they were uh, pressing the game. They were looking to win the game based on uh, just the the, uh, merits of the game, but they weren't looking to win the game on, on... the fact that they needed to, and so I, I, they had a, they had a rough time on this game. Yeah, I mean, then we, we talked through this during the game uh, in our chat, and it was kind of I think we eventually landed on kind of the same point, which is that it wasn't nothing; it wasn't no reaction, um, yeah. right? And, and these things aren't a binary. It's not a okay, you had a brilliant reaction or you had no reaction at all. Um, but you would like to get a lot closer to the ideal uh, than we got out of DC, especially since it was okay at the start and then trailed off as the half went on. You know, when Olsen after the game said that, you know, the Revs do wear you down. And yes, they do. They are a fat, they're the fastest team in MLS. Um, they are most, most of their players are physically strong as well. So each, each single challenge takes a little more out of you than most teams. Um, but I don't think this was a case of DC being worn down for the last 15 minutes that the second half, they had like seven minutes where they stayed at the first half level and then kind of fell off from there. 
Um, and I don't think that's a that doesn't get explained by tired. Uh, that is a discouraged, and then tired kind of uh, dovetails with it and becomes a twofold bad news train that gets you your two goals after the 85th minute loss. Um, but yeah, this wasn't the dramatic response that I think those remarks were designed to get. Um, I don't know if it necessarily required the big dramatic response. Cause I, I still maintain that the revs are not good. They're not bad, but they're not good. Um, this well, is not better a tre- than DC United on the night. Sure, but and... they're not a tremendously impressive team where you say, okay, fine, DC loses to these guys even at the best of times. Um, this isn't peak 2019 LAFC coming to town. Um, this is a okay team that deserves their fifth place in the East and a second round playoff exit. They're not anything Does that... remarkable. Doesn't that make that worse? Yeah, it does. That's what that's the point I'm making okay. is that um, you know, this is if the reaction had been there, DC should have been able to win the game. Um, and the reaction we saw in the first half was like, well, maybe they take it, but it's a very even game. Um, and then the reaction we saw in the, or what we saw from the second half is not even reaction at that point. It was just sort of a team that seemed like they had kind of lost any idea how to break teams down, especially when Reyna came out of the game. Um, yeah. So that, I want to get to my worry. We only have a. Okay. I'm just going to say that one substitution should not take the wheels off of your attack. And, but that's what happened. And it's a guy that has only had two training sessions. That's bad. Right. Yeah. Uh, we only have a couple minutes before we're going to bring Sam on. Um, my worry is that Ben Olsen knows he's on the hot seat as we are not the hot seat, a scalding hot seat, a red hot scalding, whatever the the phrase in, in Steve Goff's report was. Um, and so he needs to win games to get into the playoffs and he has a reluctance to rely on young players. He will put them in, but in high leverage situations, he usually goes to veterans. I hope he doesn't this time, not just because I think it's better for the long term to get Nyman and Yao and Paredes on the field. I think it's better for now in the very immediate term to get those guys on there. I think Nyman gives us something unique in the midfield. I think Yao gives us uh, a directness and an ability to score goals that we don't have otherwise. Um, I think they need to be on the field to win now, not just to win next year and the year after that. Um, But I don't think just in in human nature, if you're trying to save your job now, it's hard to worry about what's going to happen next year. So I don't know what's going to happen with Ben Olsen. I think it, the most likely thing is he won't be coaching the team next year. I don't know what's going to happen between now and the end of the year on that front. Um, I don't know if it would be Chad Ashton coaching the team. If, if Ben Olsen is let go, there's a lot of unknowns there, but we know Ben Olsen will be coaching the team this weekend or probably unless something happens in the next four days. As of now, as of this recording, um, Ben Olsen will be coaching the team on Saturday. Um, And I hope he goes with the young guys and I hope he, he goes with, something a little more attacking because otherwise this is going to be a really dreadful game. And I don't want that. I don't want another one of those. The, the young guys have earned it is the thing. They have. Like, this yes. isn't even a, like, let's just, you know, pump this season and um, play the kids because they'll gain something from it. Like 2013, where that wasn't the case. Um, you know, Michael Seaton should have been on the field for a lot more games than he was in the end. Um, but this is also a case where it's just like, yeah, Nyaman's bringing something that we don't get from anyone else. Uh, Griffin Yao, you can play him. He doesn't have to be on the right. It doesn't have to be Yao versus Gressel. It can be Gressel and Yao. Yao could play on the left. Um, 
So yeah, the the if Paredes is back healthy, you've got to find a place for him somewhere in the team. He can play several different positions and he's earned his starting spot even when more people were healthy than there are now. Um so yeah, they've got a as far as I'm concerned, they should stay in the lineup. Yep. I totally agree. All right. On that that high note of agreement, we will call this a segment. We, I had to find something. Uh Stick around. We will be right back with Sam Jones to talk about DC United and Atlanta United. This is Filibuster. All right. Say you're at work and uh, something unfortunate or untoward happens and you need some legal representation to uh, to assert your rights in that situation, whether a boss mistreated you, you were fired unfairly uh or 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 something worse happens ben in the district of columbia and northern virginia you know who to call right yeah you called the ehrlich law office because you have rights that's right and your rights matter and you deserve to be free from harassment and you deserve to work the ehrlich law office handles workplace discrimination they do civil rights uh if you have a wage theft issue they are there for you if you have uh, a separation from your employer that you want to to get down on paper and you're dealing with a a non-compete clause or or something to to that effect if you uh if you feel like your civil rights have been violated by a local government call the ehrlich law office uh if you want a free consultation tell them we sent you go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster Welcome back to Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. DC United will welcome the Southern version of the Interlopers United to Buzzard Point Saturday night. Atlanta have neither United nor conquered in 2020. <laughs> they both parted ways with their manager and find themselves for the first time in their history outside the playoff spots. 11th place, just three points out of cellar dwelling DC United. Um, Sam Jones writes for Black and Red United sister site, Dirty South Soccer. You can hear him on Five Stripe Final and find him in a bunch of other places. He's graciously accepted our, inter- our, our invitation tonight to, to drink the pain away. So, Sam, welcome to Filibuster. Gentlemen, uh, I'm glad to be on the Depression cast here. This is, this is about <laughs> as sad a game as I can think to possibly talk about. It's perfect for me, honestly. <laughs> Sounds about right. What do you do? Yeah. What are you drinking tonight, Sam? Let's see. I have a uh, red wine. It's Lambrusco. I I got it from a girl from Hinge who I talked to once, got this wine from her, and then never talked to her again. (laughs) It it seems appropriate for, like, like when I listen to, like, sad dad rock, I'm, like, really feeling like a red wine. (laughs) And this feels like the sad dad rock of games. And so I really, I I, I lean into it tonight. Yeah. Yep. I agree. (laughs) So, so on your particular sadness front, we we went deep into mm. our feelings in the last segment here. Uh, we'll go Atlanta, back. Atlanta United has won one of their last eight. They've won twice since the pandemic hit and games were frozen. You doing okay, buddy? Yeah, this I'm is fine. Not a visual medium, I'm but fine. Sam is making a face that makes it sound or shows us that he is right where we are from our first segment. Look, it's we're it's all in Atlanta the same sport. space here. 
there's only so many like positive things you can take from it. We got like two good years out of it. And I think we were okay with that. And, and now it just, it's back to the numbness. I mean, if you, if you smile long enough, your cheeks go numb. And so we're just smiling through it. That's all we're doing guys. Uh, we're making it as best we can, but it is, it is a hot mess to say the least. So, so I, 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 Sam, I wonder, do you think you just moved your, uh, uh, your expansion year back a little bit? Do you think you you uh, had your expansion year? You could have had it in uh, when you when you entered the league, but now you just moved it back a little bit, and now you're just uh, reaping what you sowed? Man, that's what it feels like. You look at this lineup, and we like to play a game at DSS where we make up names for expansion teams, like different players, and go real player, or made-up name. And our lineup looks like a bunch of made-up names we used to make up <laughs> for, like, Cincinnati, you know? And mm. I don't know. How, it, it's crazy to think that we've gotten to this point. But, I mean, I'm looking across at, at, at y'all's lineup, and there are players that we would love to have right now. We'd love to have. And I know they're not doing well. I disagree. I know Gressel and, I know Gressel and the side are, are whatever right now for y'all. Uh, but, God, we, we would take them back in a second. We know that Rob Usry wants, uh, especially. <laughs> yeah. He's been on that campaign for a while, but it's That's understandable. Great. It's so understandable, especially when we're putting out Jake Mulraney and, and John Gallagher and other random white guys out there who we just don't know who they are, or what they bring to the table, even still. That might be the, the most non-Atlanta United aspect of this. Just the, <laughs> the random college kids. <laughs> exactly we have graduates of notre dame university playing and, and getting <laughs> it's, minutes it, it what it is is it, i'm looking at the lineup from last game it really is like a 2014 mls lineup <laughs> jeff lenowitz is there too and it's perfect yeah, 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 yeah exactly. perfect. Uh, <laughs> the same veteran presence as ever and also <laughs> maybe the most dangerous goal scorer on the team now god that's that's horrifying and, and true in so many ways um, I mean, this is a team that that's not playing with any DPS right now um, for multiple reasons. You know, you ship off PT. Joseph gets the ACL injury, and Sekiel Barco has this weird ghost injury right now. We don't know what it is. We we think it might be Sevilla-itis, uh, to put it one <laughs> way. Um, we, we think we don't know. We don't know. They say it's a knock. Um, he may be getting transferred. He may just legitimately be hurt. Um, I mean, but I right mean- now. DC United uh, fans might recognize it as PSG-itis. Ah, yes, definitely. <laughs> it's, that same, it's that same strain, for sure. Yeah. Well, just um, wait until the transfer falls through, and then you get, a, you get the real taste of, of PSG-itis. That's phase no, two. No. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's a long-haul kind of disease, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, to, put, to use a, a, a term mm. of our times. So exactly. what what's the genesis of the Malays down there? I, I know Joseph went down. I know you lost Nagby. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Is is that really it? Just those two guys were everything, or is there is there a lot more happening to, to cause all this? You know, if if it were extremely simple, I think they would have figured it out by now and, and fixed it. But it, it kind of starts. You have to go back all the way to them hiring Frank DeBoer in the first place. Um, you, you bring in a guy who. You know, has an interesting pedigree coming in. Uh, his first 
Are, are you talking about are you talking about Netherlands national team coach Frank DeBoer? <laughs> Netherlands national team coach Frank DeBoer. And y'all, I will tell you right now, if I could pick any superpower, it would be failing up. If I could fail up for the rest of my <laughs> fucking life, I would do it. But I'm not that lucky, I don't think. I'm not Frank DeBoer. Neither um, so none of us aren't either. Few of us are. Very few of us have that superpower. Oh, man, it's frustrating. But no, he comes in with, uh, obviously, uh, with the stuff with with Inter, with uh, Crystal Palace. Um, and they say, okay, this is our guy. Um, we're going to stick with him. And then the, the phrase they used for us was evolution, not revolution. The idea was that he was going to somehow continue what Tata Martino had brought in and just be an extension of that, right? And it would continue in much of the same way. Uh, we found out within four or five games that that was definitely not going to be the case. You change things stylistically. You change things with the instructions uh, given in training. You change things tactically. Um, and things kind of started to look very, very slow, very methodical and not in a good way. Um, and the goals didn't come for a long time. The goals didn't come for a long time until Joseph Martinez. Um, essentially, he scores a goal in Seattle. Frank DeBoer and his coaches celebrate. Joseph Martinez goes over to the bench and screams at them, screams at them, tells them, what are y'all doing celebrating? This is garbage. <laughs> and so from that point on, in addition to a couple of players going to Argentine radio and saying that this sucks right now, uh, Leandro Gonzalez-Perez and PT Martinez both go on radio and say, we, we don't like this at all. Um, the, the style changes. Frank kind of has to submit to the team or there's going to be a mutiny. Um, and Atlanta begins to play a little bit more like themselves. They get to the Eastern Conference Finals. They fall a little bit short. Um, from there, you have this mass exodus of players. Um, and that can be, for a number of reasons, that can be put on a front office that has really, really struggled to bring in players to replace um, a bunch of fan favorites and a bunch of players who are key pieces to this team. Uh, and it can also be put on Frank DeBoer, who was not a personality who was ever going to keep those guys around. So it goes all the way back to that. It goes right through the front office who has made some horrific decisions, such as giving Emerson Hyndman 900000 a year plus. Um, and yeah, <laughs> he's our new Chris McCann, um, who I think y'all got to experience for a little bit. Yeah, we, we did. Yeah, very very briefly. A very hot briefly. minute. Bless so I look forward uh, to the future <laughs> DC United player, Emerson Hyndman. <laughs> Uh, eventually so. our teams eventually our two sites and our two podcasts are not going to know whether a player plays here or there it's just gonna be like <laughs> i don't know he's he's a, definitely on one of the teams it's definitely a trend for sure for sure but yeah no it's, it's, I mean, it's yeah, rough we, right we, now. we traded y'all bobby boswell right that's exactly yeah. right and bobby boswell nearly scored a goal that sent us uh into a bye week in the playoffs against toronto he was almost a legend but uh <laughs> he retired. He retired an Atlanta United legend for uh, walking up to Tata ta and introducing himself as Blanco Messi. Apparently, um, so that sounds like Bobby. That sounds like Bobby. If you've ever, if you've ever had a conversation with him, that is exactly who he is. He's excellent. Absolutely, man. Um, we miss him dearly for sure. <laughs> the other thing too, this team's kind of boring. I'm going to be honest. There's just not a lot of personality right now. We have one guy who's really just kind of pissed off at the world, and then a whole bunch of folks who are kind of timid. And that's the other thing that's kind of missing from this team. There's no swagger. There's no really. There's no person. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. That was something that Atlanta prided themselves on so much was not being MLS, and we've come right. crashing down to earth. I mean, the parallels between early days DC United and early days Atlanta United are definitely there. 
right? Like you have the the success right out of the gate, the personality and flair and oeuvre and just kind of this thing that they have. And then it gets lost after a few years. Um, and and Jason, you went through that. I didn't get to live that in the moment oh, yeah. the way you did. Um, but it, but you and, and Sam a, now have that. Right. Know. And it was a sudden it was a sudden turn to like the, the timeline is a little longer, but it is a similar thing where like a Dutch coach came in and he wasn't as good as the guy who had been there. And uh, after a little while of things going OK, uh, things suddenly went very bad and a bunch of players that you love were gone. And then uh, you look at the roster and you're like, wait a minute, this is the team. This is the, these are our guys. What, what happened to the other guys? Um <laughs> And yeah, it, it's just a slightly like if you just take Atlanta season and stretches a, or last two years and stretch them out a little longer, mm-hmm. you get the like DC United transition from like 1999 to 2003. Um, and sounds bad. That sounds bad. That's for, uh, well, well, what follows <laughs> is Ray Hudson coaches you for a couple of years, and that doesn't work. Um, <laughs> no, it sounds bad. So. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what's next for Atlanta. They should probably dodge like any English announcer currently working yeah. in the U.S. That's my advice. <laughs> if someone uses the word magisterial in the job interview, just don't mm-hmm. give them the just job. Just say like, "All right, we've seen oh, enough." Oh, Thank oh, you. Oh, wait, oh, wait. Maybe we should let Ian Dark coach uh, Atlanta United. <laughs> that would be a clout move. I mean, that would at least get people interested again for at least like, two <laughs> seconds. I think that'd be the move. Yeah. That's one of the things that we don't know uh, about this new coach. We have no idea right now, and that's super mm-hmm. weird for us. We're we're sixty days into it, and there's been no like random rumor from an Argentine radio station. Nothing like Caesar Merlo saying anything. Normally, we think we'd be hearing something right now. It, it's kind of strange to be in this gray area, for sure. Uh, but but we're hoping the difference between us and that early version of DC United is throwing tremendous amounts of cash at things. Like hopefully that can be the fix all. For all of this, it's and it seems the like there's plan. an indication. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Arthur, it like Arthur Blank like has a lot of it, so for sure. But he might have to figure out how to fix his football team before he fixes his football team, if that makes sense. <laughs> um, so we're we're gonna see how much uh, cash is actually left. But they bring in a DP. It'd be cheaper to fix uh, Atlanta United than his uh, his American football team. <laughs> I think so. I think so. So Atlanta is going to bring in a new DP and we'll, we'll see how that goes. He's kind of in a very Nagby-esque mold as kind of a connecting dribbler. Um, I don't expect him to play, so y'all don't have to worry about him. But as far as we go, you know, maybe there's some optimism for us in the future. But right I mean, now it's it's dour. You, you could have just kept the, the, the original Nagby. What a what a novel idea! And the original Gressel <laughs> and everything like that, we wouldn't have a replacement with right. the original Gressel, the original Assad, the original Yosef Martinez. Yeah. It would it would all be so nice and cozy right now. Uh, it, it, it's so weird that they they chose not to give those particular people money and then chose to give people again like Emerson Heinemann's going to be a scapegoat for years for this, and it's not his fault. Bless his heart. Yeah, that's yeah, any yeah. little child, but he's getting nine hundred thousand dollars a year. It'd be pretty awful. And that's yeah. the thing. The midfield's terrible. Y'all are right. going to see it and go, wait a second. They, this is Atlanta's midfield. They can't control the ball. They, they can't take the ball off anybody. They're giving the ball away actively. Chicago waltzed through that midfield the other night, y'all. Just waltzed through it. It was so easy. I really, really it's hope. A... The best case scenario from this game is Moses Nyman's coming out party. But I'm afraid it's going to be center holds it. <laughs> Yeah, we got a little of that right. this weekend. We we yeah, got a we little did. of like we just got a stretch of time where it's like too. 
nothing's really happening at all uh for a while now what's what's is the game going on have i like have i hit the pause button mentally like no 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 the game's going on nothing's happening like okay good um i guess sam that gets a kind of my question you know you guys don't know who the real coach is going to be but you've got Mm -hmm. steven glass he's been there now for two months what is he exactly trying to do with this group that's a great question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's definitely trying to at least get it to a transition point. I think you can definitely see that there is a change. Um, he is certainly trying to play more up tempo, trying to at least get the ball into the box if he can, even if that means blasting crosses to Adam John 20 times a game. Um, mm-hmm. It's at least some kind of uh, intention there, which was a little bit lacking with Frank. Um, you do see a little more pressing, which I think a lot of people miss. People just kind of miss creating things from counter press and then getting in transition and making things happen. Uh, they've really only executed that well once, and that was against Dallas uh, a couple games ago where they actually won. They didn't score a goal from open play in that game, though, so did it really work? I don't really know, but they <laughs> did stifle Dallas for for a good chunk of time there um, just with pressing. Um, so you, you can't do that with this team the entire time. They don't have the legs for it. Uh, but there is kind of a shift towards uh, more attacking style, which theoretically you think would carry over to the next guy they're going to bring in because the next guy they're going to bring in is going to be attack-minded. You have to assume they they learned a lesson from the the Frank DeBoer affair. And if on, they did, it's going to be trouble. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Atlanta as a city is so much predicated on on capturing people's attention, and that's what they did so well coming out of the gate. The first night you come out and, you know, uh, you have 57,000 people there and you have Atlanta really making a lot of headway against Red Bulls and putting up a lot of shots. Miguel Amaron tries this like crazy, crazy shit that doesn't quite work out, but everyone freaks out anyway. Um, And from there you had people hooked and then you lost that. So you got to bring in someone attacking. Steven Glass is trying to shift towards that. Um, Does he have the players to do it? No, not at all. This team is very bad. So it's going to be one of those games where – I think Atlanta's going to try to be on the front foot and you just see unsuccessful bludgeoning of the ball towards the goal repeatedly. Well, we saw a throwback game against Toronto where it was basically two four four twos going against each other. It was a very English kind of <laughs> game between DC and, and Toronto. I don't think that's what we'll see against Atlanta, but maybe that's the best mm-hmm. case scenario for this game. It might be. We were playing uh, We were playing over under four shots on target for both teams today, earlier at NDSS. And I'm going to smash the under on that. <laughs> smash the under. <laughs> was the under exactly like, right. like 5.5 for both teams combined? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so I, my question is, can I, can I flip it a little bit? As someone who's be an the outsider first. a little bit. <laughs> Damn, I'm never original. Um, as an outsider, uh, if Atlanta comes out and theoretically gets its stuff together and maybe puts two or three on DC and gets a win, is this finally the end for Ben Olsen? Or do they be like, look, he got like two shots on target contract extension. I don't think he'll get a contract extension, but uh, I don't know if they're going to fire him this year, uh, no matter what happens. I think he might be able Not, to write out the the year and then off season change. They won't. I don't think they'll fire him before the end of the year, yeah. like like Adam think, just said. But uh, his his December. status his status before the the beginning of next year is definitely in doubt. But they won't fire mm-hmm. him before the end of this year. 
I mean, gotcha. I, I guess if we get a, a series of games like this Nashville-New England game, like if Atlanta does, you know, if the scenario you say you just posed happens, and then the game after that is a similar game, then we might be getting into a before-the-season-ends scenario. But mm-hmm. um, conversely, if something doesn't change and this just sort of uh, occasionally they play okay, like against TFC, and then they have two bad games, and then occasionally it's just okay again, um, then I think we're looking at like a I, – I'll, I'll even go so far as to say like December 13th. Um, <laughs> or is that a Friday? I should have checked if it's a Friday. I feel like it's a, just a Friday news dump in the off season. Yeah. Uh, and they decide at that point to do it that way. Um, that's what I think is, is we're on course towards, unless there's like a course correction coming with, I don't, I don't know from exactly where, uh, you already Reina, sure. I guess. December 11th, by the way, is a Friday. The 13th ah, is a okay. Sunday. Uh, I don't know when MLS Friday. Cup is. I would expect them to hide it behind MLS Cup. Yeah. One of the reasons I asked is because something that we've been kind of applauding. Are you interested in a new head coach? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe not. Maybe not. Do you you want to be that? Do you want to be the head coach of DC United? (laughs) I would love to. I will will take that. I will will do whatever I can. I may even try to let Claire score a couple times. Um, (laughs) Y'all drop a line. Y'all drop a line for me, please. Um, The reason I ask, though, is, is, you know – Atlanta has been kind of applauding its front office, I guess, for for not letting things get stagnant, you know, uh, and go ahead and and making that move. Um, and from an outsider's perspective, it kind of seems like DC has has hit that wall and doesn't seem like in any rush to to get off it. And it's kind of yeah. weird. Uh, so th- I think that honestly goes to that goes back to 2007 in some ways when when the Poplar Point Stadium fell through. And mm-hmm. the the money, the real money uh, of the ownership group at that I'm point sick. dropped out. I'm and sick. I'm sick. Had I'm no sick of talking that so far long. back. <laughs> DC United had no money for so long, and they were just yeah. happy to make any. But they do now, all. and I don't they give do a now, shit about. I don't give a shit about that anymore. The organization is still what it is. I, I don't and give a shit about that I'm anymore. Not, I'm not excusing it, Ben. I'm explaining it, and that's just that's baked into the dna and it's got to change and to do that you might need a wholesale turnover at the top and if we see that okay if we, we don't need it. then we i need don't it. know what's gonna happen the fact that the well, fact that we're talking about the, the fact that we're talking about this just proves the fact that we need we need this sort of uh wholesale change what i would throw in is just that for most of his career as a coach like the money was not there. Like the the times they did well, the team was yes, bad. But it doesn't matter anymore. It's not a. It's that wasn't a complete thought. I will get to the complete thought. Um, the the roster a lot of times looked like Atlanta's roster. Uh, right now does, and yet they were finishing like in fourth in the East. Um, so they did overachieve a bunch of times with nothing. Um, but now we're in an era where DC has spent like Edison Flores cost 5 million just for him to be here and not, not even to pay his salary. Uh, Wayne Rooney cost Wayne more Rooney. than that. Yeah, exactly. Paul, Paul Ariola is in the 3 million range just to get him here. Um, uh, Lucho Acosta combined got into the around 2 million to get him to be just to play for the team, much less to pay his salary. Um, so yeah, that things change a lot when the roster is one where they're like, well, the money is there now. Um, and so that's why it's, it's 
the outside perception of DC United is that everything has been the same and the team just won't make a change. But I think the first like seven years that Olsen was in charge were years where like the, the, the team was playing at RFK. They had no money for anything. And it was like, good luck, man. Um, but now that they've spent some money, it's like, well, we spent some money. We would like something better than good luck, man. Um, yeah. And, and they've spent some money yeah. and they've done a shitty job of it. That sounds that's a different. I can relate yeah, yeah. to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think at this point, um, given United's actions as an organization off the field during the pandemic, I worry about who they would hire at this point. Cause I think I, I, I expect Atlanta to go and make a splash with their hire, whoever it may be, whoever gets the permanent job in Atlanta, it will be someone with some kind of established track record with some kind of pedigree. I don't know who DC United would hire. I think, I think that is at this point. I think that a small minded, I think that a small minded thinking and that you can't just, I'm not saying that's not a reason to make a change, Ben. I'm saying it's a legitimate worry. Right. But uh, it's, do you want do you want to have more of what we've just been going through for the I past just 10 said, years? Did you hear the words I just said? I I said that's not an argument against making a change. It's an argument. Uh, but that, but then you walked it back and it was like, oh, let, let, but then you walked it back and it was like, oh, let me let me walk it back. And, and I didn't walk anything back. Not, not say not say what I was doing. Anyway, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to come in here and just throw a firebomb and just like no, sit back okay. and watch it. Things, no, are, going grenade, guys. things are going <laughs> fine for we've, DC United we've, fans. We've <laughs> infighting on podcasts. That is where DC United is. Goodness, we're not quite there yet, I don't think. <laughs> I'll check in with some folks though. <laughs> Once y'all are around for uh for 25 years, you'll get there. You'll yeah, get give, there. Give it, understand. It, understand. This, this is just how families families are up here um <laughs> i love it you guys have any more questions for sam before we uh, call i, I did want to ask i do want to ask an actual uh player <laughs> question um <laughs> i mean it, it relates to dc because of course there's yet another connection you've got uh josh wolf's son uh yeah, playing as a homegrown he's starting to break in and get minutes on a regular basis how's tyler wolf doing <laughs> so Josh is a great guy. Uh, I've talked to Josh a couple of times. Um, he's of course over in Austin um, mm-hmm. and I haven't been able to talk to Tyler yet. Um, and uh, frankly, we're a little confused as to why he's getting these minutes, uh, to okay. be totally honest. Um, he seems like a player who is talented, uh, but maybe not quite as talented as some other guys we've got kind of already in the system. Um, so it's interesting to see him kind of getting in. Um, obviously, Stephen Glass, he was our... ATL United two coach uh, before this. So he obviously has seen a lot of them. Um, he knows something is there, um, but we have kind of yet to really see it uh, with him so far. That's not saying it won't turn into something, but so far it's been, it's been pretty quiet to be fair. No one's doing anything. And it's something we've talked about a lot lately is that no one's going to look good if everyone on the team is bad. So <laughs> it's, it's one I of the reasons we think that Gressel is struggling maybe in dc yep, he needed that cast that around him you know in atlanta uh to, to really thrive yep same with yeah, you that's certainly certainly part of it um yeah. so hypothetically if you were in charge of another team that is also bad at soccer how would you game plan against atlanta united what would you be trying to do specifically other than just play good soccer 
knowing that's not an option, what would you do? At this point, if you're trying to get on the front foot early, you, you can. And teams have scored in the first like seven minutes, I think like five times in the last few games. I don't think I'm making that up. Um, it, it's kind of incredible how quickly this team will give up a goal. If you come out hot and you try to steal a goal quick, uh, you can get that. It's there. This team just really seems to just go brain dead at times. Uh, they, they've even allowed goals off of throw-ins, essentially. The throw-in will come in, player will sprint to the box and score. Um, it's been that easy a lot of the time. Um, so if you can get that early goal and then sit back, it's not like they're really going to give you too many threats going forward. Sam, DC United has scored one goal before the 59th minute in 2020. Dear God. <laughs> One one single yeah, time. They did yeah, it once. I meant to mention that I'm praying once. for y'all constantly. <laughs> <laughs> well, that might be is, the most southern like, thing that's ever been said on this show. It, it just seems like every time, <laughs> every turn we go trying to match these teams up, it's just it invariably is the saddest outcome. Uh, like yeah. One team can't stop giving up early goals, and the other team can't possibly score an early goal. <laughs> <laughs> A very movable yeah. force. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This is a movable force against a uh, a movable object. It, yes. Exactly. <laughs> well, I I think that's it for for tonight. Sam, thank you very much for coming on the show. Tell our listeners where they can find you online. Absolutely. You can find me at j underscore sam jones on Twitter. Um, do me a favor and go ahead and check out my newsletter that goes out over the mothership mlssoccer.com every day. It's called The Daily Kickoff. You can find it. Just search The Daily Kickoff. Some kind of subscription thing should come up. You don't have to read it. You just have to give me those sweet, sweet, sweet subscription numbers. Just keep bumping <laughs> me up. That's all I care about. Um, you can also find, uh, I also like to tweet over at Dirty South SOC. Sometimes we have a lot of fun over there during match days. Uh, we will bring the, the same sense of ennui and dread that I'm sure you guys have been bringing over <laughs> at Black and Red for the last few days. Um, so, yeah, I also got a few things coming out at MLSsoccer.com as well. Check out the mothership. Um, I'm pretty much there full time now. Uh, so check those things out for sure. Got a story coming out Tuesday, uh, I think, uh, that's really Ooh. sad, but I think meaningful. So check that out. Well, that's cool. meaningful means it's more than this soccer game will be. So. <laughs> uh got that going for you i will i will second go subscribe to the daily kickoff it's a great newsletter from from sam uh i strongly recommend it find us at blackandredunited.com we are uh also on patreon patreon.com slash filibuster if you want to support us financially find us on twitter at black and red U, at filibuster dcu send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com Download, subscribe, rate, review wherever you get your podcasts. We're on every podcatcher and whatever platform you happen to favor. You can find us there. Mostly, though, tell a friend about the show. That's the best way to get the word out, even in sad times like this. Maybe especially in sad times like these. Uh, that's the way to go. Word of mouth, the oldest and still the best form of advertisement. For Jason and Ben, thanking Sam Jones one more time. I'm Adam Taylor, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Say goodbye, Jason. You guys know this is going to finish like this game is going to be like five four, right? I like that. The really maximum hope. MLS thing for it to do is to go completely the other way, from all evidence. Zero so, five. It's going to be zero five. I don't know which direction, <laughs> but it's going to be zero five. I mean, yeah, everything's on board at this point. This is one of the longer goodbye Jasons we've done. Yeah. <laughs>